Welcome to the Defender Bible Study, a weekly encouragement to equip the body of Christ through the study of Scripture and prayer to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children around the world. This podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, where we believe that defending the fatherless begins by being rooted in God's Word. It's Monday, December 9th, 2019. This is Josh Caldwell, Lifeline's Vice President of International Ministry. Today we will continue our study on the book of 1 John. We will look at chapter 1, verses 5 through 10, and chapter 2, verses 1 through 6. If you'll go ahead and turn in your Bibles and look at 1 John. As we learned last week uh, from Herbie, as he was teaching on the first chapter of 1 John, we know that John is a man who spent years with Jesus. And he witnessed the crucifixion. He encountered Jesus after he had raised from the dead. And he, we also know that he wrote Second John and Third John, the Gospel of John and the book of Revelation. And likely as we come to First John, this was written uh, likely to the churches of Asia Minor, which are the modern churches of modern day Turkey, while he was in Ephesus sometime between 80 and 90 A.D. First John does not give us many specifics about the context that John was addressing, though John does mention some who had left the church and presumably due to false teaching. John wanted to make sure that those who remained in the church weren't just carried away by those same and similar things that others before them had. The churches in Asia Minor that he was speaking to, like us today, need to know that the truth and the to, is to live in the light of what is of God. We need to continually speak the gospel, study the gospel, listen to the word of God, and center our lives around the God of the universe. So as we come to our verses today in 1 John 1, 5 through 10, and 1 John 2, 1 through 6, John turns to consider God's character for the lives of God's children. Those of us who claim to know God must walk in the light because God is light. He has no darkness. He is holy. He sees and knows everything about us, even our thoughts and our motivations. We know that God is also gracious and he is forgiving. And we'll see in this week's passage our response to this grace and this holy God is an indicator of our condition. Through these verses today, we will see several major truths about the character of God, our sinfulness, and the amazing work of Jesus Christ. So let's read our text today, 1 John 1, 5-10, and 2, 1-6. through This is the message that we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have not sinned, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. Chapter 2, my little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate, the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. 
He is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the world. And by this, we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected. By this, we may know that we are in him and whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. So as we see those verses, let's look at four truths that we can take from these verses. And the first truth is just so powerful is that he is light. Light represents what is good and pure and holy and reliable. Darkness, on the other hand, represents sin and evil. The statement that God is light means that God is perfectly holy without any evil or darkness or blemish. Completely true and that he alone can guide us out of the darkness of sin. We see in Genesis 1, 3, it says, God let there be light and there was light and God saw the light and it was good. Light represents good, which is in God. In uh, John 1, 4 through 5, in Jesus Christ was life and the life was the light of men and the light that shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. I love this picture that when you flip on a light in a dark room, the light overtakes the darkness. It cannot go the other way around where the darkness overtakes the light. We always see light overtaking darkness. John 8, 12, again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus brings new life and this new life. We are able to see light and light and be light to others. Another verse, another reference is John 12, 36. While you have the light, believe in the light that you may become sons of light become sons of light. Love that. We are not light until Jesus saves us from our sins. Ephesians 5, at one time you were darkness. This picture of we were not walking with the Lord and we were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. We are light because of the work of Jesus Christ, because he saved us from our sins. God is completely without darkness. God has no blemish. God has no sin, no evil, and he is fully and completely light. So the first truth that we see today is that God is light. The second truth that we see is that he wants us to walk in light. Let's look back at verse 7 of our text today. Verse 7 in our text says, But if we walk in light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all our sin. 1 John 1, 3, if you look back in the last chapter, it says that which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you so that two may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus. If we have fellowship with us and indeed this fellowship with the Father and Jesus, we must be walking in the light to have that special relationship with God. Two points for us as believers is that if we walk in light, we will have fellowship. And if we walk in light, the blood of Jesus will cleanse us of all sin. So think about this. If we are not cleansed of our sin, we cannot have that eternal fellowship with God forever. If we are not cleansed of our sin, we cannot have true fellowship with those around us. Jesus has the power to cleanse us of our sin so that we can walk in the light. 
He will forgive us our sins, and He is a forgiving God. So our first point is uh, truth today is that God is light. And our second truth is that we see in verse 7 that He wants us to walk in the light. And then the third truth that we want to see from this verse, these verses today is that He is a forgiving God. Verse 9 in our text today, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He is faithful. He is a forgiving God. Acts 3.19, repent therefore and turn back that your sins may be blotted out. Psalm 103, 12 through 13, as far as the east is from the west, so far does the he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. Isaiah 1, 8, 118, excuse me, come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be like wool. Daniel 9.9, to the Lord our God belong mercy and forgiveness, for we have rebelled against him. Our God is a forgiving God. Our last verse here in this section, Ephesians 1.7, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches, I love this, of his grace. This forgiveness is from him, and it's according to his rich grace. Our God is a forgiving God. He's not only light, he not only wants us to walk in light, he is a forgiving God and he is truth. Verse 10, if we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life that we see in John 14. He is the truth. We see also in John 8, 44, you are, of, you are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. These verses are talking about Satan. They're talking about the opposite of the truth. They're talking about that he was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand for truth. So we can see this contrast that in John 14, that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And we know he is the truth. And we can see in John 8, Satan um, says that he is the father, the devil. Your will is to do your father's desires. He is a murderer from the beginning and does not stand for truth. And we can see these contrasting things and know that our God is the truth. He is light. He wants us to walk in the light. He is a forgiving God and he is truth. And this really reminds me, as I read these passages, it reminds me of an incredible passage of Scripture that just really has impacted my life. Um, And it's Exodus 34 and Moses making the new tablets. I'm just going to read it to us because I just think it really is a great picture of of a lot of what we've read here and these truths that we've seen. Starting in verse 2, Be ready by morning and and come up in the morning to Mount Sinai and present yourselves there to me on the top of the mountain. No one shall come up with you, and let no one be seen throughout all the mountain. Let no flocks or herds graze opposite that mountain. So Moses cut two tablets out of stone like the first, and he rose early in the morning and went up to Mount Sinai, and as the Lord had commanded him, and he took in his hand two stone tablets, the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed 
the name of the Lord. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will be no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. And Moses quickly bowed his head toward the earth and he worshiped and said, if, I, if now I have found favor in your sight, O Lord, please let the Lord go in the midst of us for it is a stiff-necked people, and pardon our iniquity and our sin, and take us for your inheritance. I love this passage as you think about the Lord presented his character. He presented his name. Many of what we're seeing in 1 John, that he is a merciful God. He is slow to anger. He is abounding in love and faithfulness, that he, he forgives um, our transgression and our sin. And what did Moses do when he saw this picture of the Lord? He quickly bowed his head and he worshiped. So think about that as we encounter these truths about the Lord, that he is light and wants us to work in light, and he is forgiving and he is truthful. We are to worship him as we see those things. We not only see this amazing character of God, this amazing truths about the Lord, but we also see this amazing depravity of ourselves as we read these, that we see the truth that we are sinners. First John um, five, one, and if you look at verses 8, 9, and 10, I'll read those again. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. We are sinful, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar. It's just a picture of, of this, uh, that we are truly sinful. We know, as, as we read this, that that John uses the word sin nine times in this passage, and he says that God's children are not to walk in darkness. In fact, we deceive if we claim to have no sin. And, and sometimes Christians wrongly assume that spiritual maturity like this will result in sinless living, uh, which leads them to worry about their spiritual condition. I know I have struggled with this in my life where I walk through and just um, and have a, an unhealthy worry about my my condition before the Lord after I became a Christian and and walking through and growing to be more like the Lord I have learned to be secure in my salvation and my in in the and and it's not about me it's about the Lord's forgiveness it's about his riches of his grace but on the other hand uh, other Christians sometimes recognize that the presence of sin is still a reality in the life of every believer and so they they make light of their sin and downplay disobedience, you know. And so we need to look at this and have a have a look that is completely devoted to the idea that the Lord is full of grace and mercy and will forgive us. But we need to understand that the sin in our lives is a heavy thing that we need to ask forgiveness for. Sin involves refusing to obey God's word in our thoughts and our actions and our motives. Ephesians 2, 1, the Bible says that we not only commit acts of sin, but are born with a sinful nature, unable to obey God. Before God gave us this new life, we were dead in our trespasses and our sin. And we know that the Bible teaches us in Romans 6, 23, that we deserve this eternal judgment because the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. However, 
you know, there are, there are people that, that object, claiming that a loving God would never punish for sin. And we have seen this character of God in these verses and the sinfulness of man. And we know that we are, we are sinful, but we have a loving God. And so let's look at the next part of this verse, this news that is incredibly important, that Jesus is our substitute, that Jesus died. He died for God. He, this shift in our perspective that, the, that have a God-centered view, that God is light and no darkness, um, and that he can cleanse us of our sins, that Jesus was our propitiation, as we see in chapter 2. This is a settled judgment. He paid the penalty for our sin. In the Old Testament, people would bring their sacrifices to settle that debt that they had because of their sin. And we know that in the New Testament, we see the uh, Jesus being able to fully pay the price for that sin. I think of a, um, a story when I was at Crosspoint uh, sports camp. I used to be a, I was a camp counselor at a Christian sports camp about 20 years ago, and um, just an incredible time in my life to to learn what the Lord had for me in ministry. And, and during one of those times, I was teaching a football class. In teaching that football class, I was really supposed to be pouring my life into these boys, teaching them the character of God, teaching them about Scripture, and sharing the gospel with them. And through this whole time, we would do this thing called up-downs or, or burpees as a lot of people call them now. But we called them up-downs where you run your feet, you, ch- you chop your feet, and then you jump on your stomach, and then you jump back up. And every time I blow the whistle, the, the team was supposed to jump down on their stomach and then jump back up. And it was a way to show that if someone did not do their assignment correctly on the team, that the whole team would have to do these up-downs. And it was we were trying to teach teamwork and showing them that you know we really needed to work hard to do these drills correctly. We needed to play do these plays correctly. And so I had set this up where every single day we were doing these up-downs. And at the very end of the week, um, I told them what we were going to do. Instead of doing the up-downs as someone did not do their assignment correctly, we were going to count them and see how many we came up with. And at the very end of practice, on the very last day, we were going to do these up-downs together as a whole group. And we were going to do them one after one after one. And so I gathered this group together and I told them that um, that we were going to do these up-downs. I asked them to start running their feet. And everybody got excited. We were pumped up. We were going to take this together and we were going to do it as a team. And then I told everybody to stop. And I took my whistle off and I handed it to the boy in front of me. And I started running my feet and told everybody else to stop. And then I told him to blow the whistle however many times for up-downs that we had. And I was showing them a picture. I mean, as a 20-year-old you know, kid showing these high school kids what it meant for uh, t- for someone to substitute for what they deserved. And I use that as an illustration to talk about um, Jesus and to talk about what he did and how he settled our debt. And I just think that's a picture here of this propitiation and just a simple way for me to look at it and to think about is um, this illustration of, of paying, settling judgment, um, the you know, settling this penalty um, that was there. And Jesus, obviously, this is an incredible picture of love he never broke God's law, yet he was perfect. Um, he was making him the only unique, qualified way to settle the debt for sinners. Um, this is what Jesus did at the cross. He went for, foremost to honor and glorify the Lord. And we know that Jesus died to show God is perfect and holy and just and loving and forgiving. There's so many things that Jesus did as he went to the cross to show though the glory of God and to honor him through that. So let's connect that back to 
what we're talking about today, that we need to live as light and in obedience to God. Um, in, in other words, those who truly understand God's grace will likely walk in his obedience. And I pray today that we will understand God's grace fully and we will walk in his obedience. From the character of God, looking at our, the truths of the scripture, looking at our sin and looking at Jesus as our substitute, let's apply this to what we can do today. So walk in the light of God. First, let's love other believers around us. As we see in these, these verses, verse 7, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And our, let's, let's love those around us. And the second is that the blood of Jesus would cleanse us from our sin. So let's confess our sin to Jesus. And then let's number three, let's obey the Lord daily. And number four, as we look at chapter two, let's live a life with God-centered view of the cross. Let's live a life with a God-centered picture of the crucifixion of Jesus and Jesus being the propitiation for our sin. Thank you so much for joining us for the Defender Podcast. This week we are praying for the country of India. Let's pray for the church in India to be bold and steadfast and pray that the Lord would raise up national pastors and the church would grow even in the midst of persecution. Let's pray for the people's hearts to be softened to the gospel. Today, let's pray that the Lord would continue to ignite the hearts of believers in India to care for orphans and widows. We want to continue to pray for blessings over the relationship between Lifeline and Cara and continue to see open doors for children to be placed. And in the midst of challenges and opposition, uh, let's pray for the continued moving forward of adoptions in India. Today, we also want to be praying for God to continue to bring the right families to Lifeline. We are currently in need of more families to, to, to adopt, and not we are in need. It's really the children around the world are in need, and we want to help facilitate and partner together um, to, to work together. So be in prayer with us if you know someone that may be interested in partnering with Lifeline. We want to pray for our amazing representative Alex Sam as he coordinates, pray for his family as he often has to leave them to go help and support our families around the world. We want to pray um, that in November we celebrate our 50th child coming home from India. So we just want to pray as we continue to work in India and let me pray for us today as we end. God, we just love you and thank you so much for your many, many blessings, Lord, and we pray that you would guide and lead our time Lord, I pray that you would guide and lead our day today on this Monday, that we would start this week, focus our hearts and minds on you, that we would live a life obedient to you. We would love the people around us. We would live with a God-centered view of the cross. Lord, and today I pray that you would be with our friends and partners in India, our coworkers and the people that we are walking alongside to see children come into families. We pray for all those children that are in need of family today. We pray that you protect them and guide them and lead them, Lord. And Lord, we pray that you would <clears throat> lead more families to us so that we can partner to see children come into Christian homes and that they would come to know you through that. We love you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. Have a great Monday. Thanks again for joining us for the Defender Bible Study. If you enjoy making this podcast a part of your weekly routine, we'd love for you to take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review the Defender Bible Study to make it easier for more people to find. For more resources and information on how you and your church can partner with Lifeline, please visit us at lifelinechild.org. 
Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at lifelinechild.org. We look forward to seeing you again next week for the Defender Bible Study.